The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. 
I'm Vanessa Southern. I'm the senior minister of the First Unitarian Universal Society of San Francisco. It's wonderful to have you all here. And I am joined on the chancel today by Dennis Adams, who's our worship associate. You just heard Jeff Cares, our flautist and guest musician. It's so great to have you gracing our worship with your music today. And Mark Sumner and Andy are going to lead us in song. We are also really grateful for the folks of Desired Effect, for Lyle and Andy for being here today to help us um, function without Jonathan Silk, you know, which is something we need to remind ourselves is possible. And Eric Shackelford for being on camera and for Linda Mester and our ushers and for Francisco and Matias who readied the building and Dan Barnard for everybody who makes this morning possible. If you're on live stream, we welcome you too and hope uh, if you have any questions, just ask them in the chat and someone should be able to help you figure out how uh, worship works online. We're really glad to have you with us too. Today's service is a service that is about grounding ourselves in gratitude for the everyday, ordinary things of this life. And not knowing the subject of the worship for Sunday at our staff meeting on Wednesday, Judy Strachan opened. We always open with a reading and we rotate who brings them. And she brought this poem by David White, an excerpt of which I will open worship with today. Poem entitled, titled, Everything is Waiting for You. The poem opens saying, your great mistake is to act the drama as if you were alone. And then having pointed out so many ways in which the world is companioning us, the poet ends with these words. The kettle is singing, even as it pours you a drink. The cooking pots have left their arrogant aloofness and seen the good in you at last. All the birds and creatures of the world are unutterably themselves. Everything is waiting for you. In the spirit of a world that rises to meet us and our necessity of rising to meet it and see it, we gather in worship today. Welcome. We light our chalice, a symbol of Unitarian Universalism, calling into this space all of us who are part of this community, near or far, wherever this hour finds you, know you are with us too. For those of you at home, feel free to light your own candle or chalice if you have one. Please say with me the words of our chalice lighting printed in your order of service. We light this chalice for the light of truth the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. Able and join into the hymn 1010 and the teal hymnal, we give thanks.
thanks for this precious day, for all gathered here and those far away, for this time we share with love and care. Oh, we give thanks for this precious day. sound beautiful. And now for some brief invitations. I am Dennis Adams. If this is your first time joining us in person or watching online, thanks for joining us. If you would like to receive a copy of our weekly email newsletter, which includes a link to the order of service and Sunday live stream, you can fill out one of our connection forms. These forms are on the welcome table outside the sanctuary or perhaps in a pew in front of you and available through a link in the online order of service or video description of today's service. The order of service lists upcoming events and links to opportunities to connect. Our flame newsletter has even more. You can participate in anything listed that interests you. If you want to get involved, find the help wanted bulletin board near the Thomas Starr King room and respond to a need in the congregation. I want to invite Julia Wald up now to make a special announcement. Yes, 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 I'm Julia Wald, and we've just had Thanksgiving, and I hope you all had a yummy time, and we're gonna continue with giving thanks today in this service, but it's holiday time, yes. Have you been to Union Square? The trees are up, your neighbor's trees are up. We're moving on to new holidays. And to start it off, well, or to continue it, we are having a holiday fair. You know when it is? Next Sunday after church, December 3rd. I hope you'll all come here. You out in the live stream world, I hope you'll come. I know it's hard to come from Oregon, but there are planes, you can just zip on down. It's a chance for us all to have a good time together. There are people here who are new to the church, will give us time to get to talk in a playful, happy way to people that we didn't know before, get to talk to people we do know, make you feel welcome. There are lots of fun things to do. If you have an ugly Christmas sweater, 
We invite you to wear it. It may be the ugliest of them all and you'll get a prize. There are also things to buy. There are gonna be booths with handmade items. You might wanna buy something. I mean, you know, it's the holiday season. People do that. Um, there'll be uh, a wonderful lunch cooked by Ben Bear, so you know it's wonderful. There will be a tea room staffed by the young people in RE. Uh, there'll be a jumble sale. You heard last week from Lucy Smith about the scarf she had and the necklace she had. And you too can buy things at the jumble sale. I see that there's a toaster for sale. I mean, who knows what you'll want to buy. It will be fun. Uh, and then there will be a raffle. I'm very involved in the raffle, so I want you to buy raffle tickets. I know there's been a a sense that the only person who always wins is Amy Kelly, but that, that doesn't mean the raffle is rigged. She's just lucky. You may be lucky this round. We're not gonna forbid her to buy a ticket because, you know, she needs to participate. But anyway, um, I hope that you will bring money, cash, green bags, dollars, or checkbook. It's easier to take your money than to take um, credit cards, and if you want to work at the fair, you can stop at the table in the gallery on your way out and sign up to do something. Yes, thank you. Come, see you next week. Thank you, Julia. Next week before worship, our BIPOC gathering happens also, both in person and with folks joining on Zoom. There's information about how to reach out in the order of service. Our offering this week will be for the San Francisco Marin Food Bank, and you'll see information about how to volunteer with our own local interfaith food pantry on Saturday mornings. Thank you for your attention. Let's take a moment to greet one another. If you are on live stream, please introduce yourselves to one another. In this community, we say some promises to each other every week. They are ones that are part of what it is we promise to each other in community. And they are the words of your covenant, your unison covenant that are in your order of worship. So let's say those together and then we'll sing our doxology. And just to remind all the um, families that you can, um, kids and youth can leave. You've got a fun project actually going on during worship, during the RE time. Let's say our words of our covenant together. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in freedom and to help one another. Let's be. 
Today's service is filled with poetry, one of my favorite sacred languages and sets of texts in the universe. And our first reading is a poem by Joy Harjo. The world begins at the kitchen table. No matter what, we must eat to live. The gifts of earth are brought and prepared, set on the table. So it has been since creation, and it will go on. We chase chickens or dogs away from it. Babies teeth at the corners. They scrape their knees under it. It's here that children are given instructions on what it means to be human. We make men at it. We make women. At this table, we gossip, recall enemies, and the ghosts of lovers. Our dreams drink coffee with us as they put their arms around our children. They laugh with us at our poor falling down selves and as we put ourselves back together once again at the table. This table has been a house in the rain, an umbrella in the sun. Wars have begun and ended at the table. It is a place to hide in the shadows of terror, a place to celebrate the terrible victory. We have given birth on this table and have prepared our parents for burial here. At this table, we sing with joy, with sorrow. We pray of suffering, of remorse. We give thanks. Perhaps the world will end at the kitchen table. While we are laughing and crying, eating of the last sweet bite. Here ends our reading. Ah, memories of Thanksgiving past. I still recall the intense graduation from child's table to adult table. It's mostly the delicious smells I remember. Citrus, nuts, pumpkin pie, and roasting turkey or ham, all wonderful. Yes, there was always a small part of me that freaked out at the bounty of food, drink, and company. So much food. My parents, when I disputed the value of a food item, usually a vegetable, would often say, you eat now, there are children starving, and then they'd fill in some place in the world, though actually it was happening in our own town, I now know. I would often lobby my parents with this great idea that small kids had everywhere, but seemed so unique to me. Why don't we send all our Brussels sprouts and lima beans and obviously onions to Africa? Then as I grew up and became the liberal religious youth my churches, American Baptist and Unitarian, shaped me into, the dichotomy of our Thanksgiving rituals and the realities of how indigenous people were treated, I became more aware of how much pain is held there. 
my knowledge of how the U.S. government systematically destroyed Native American lands and lifestyles weighs heavily on my mind. How can any of us celebrate a peaceful Thanksgiving with the myth of Indians and pilgrims, knowing the true history of how European settlers would treat the people whose land they wanted as their own? A friend sent me this meme recently. Be sure and bring up politics at your Thanksgiving dinner. It will save your money on Christmas gifts later. <laughs> In this case, for me, it's kind of a painful reality. There are members of my own family who would probably refuse to break bread with me. Others who would be glad to proselytize and bring me more fully into their camp of saved Christians, who they imagine as having a singular future more valuable than other religions. Of course, I miss all three of my siblings in Vermont. But in recent years, I seem to find more of a family here at the USF facility and its community. Thoughtfully, for several years now, I've been graciously included at Amy Kelly and Merrick Munn's table at Thanksgiving. This year, I was, went back to a feast held by ex-coworkers from a hotel here in the city. Their twins, who I remember as toddlers, are now in colleges. I often wonder where the time goes. But I started Thanksgiving Day this year by going by ferry boat to Alcatraz for the Indigenous People's Gathering Sunrise Ceremony. From November 1969 to July 1971, a group of American Indians took over and occupied Alcatraz Island. The group was called the Alcatraz Red Power Movement and was also known as the Indians of All Tribes. Since 1975, American Indians and non-Native allies have journeyed from the mainland to Alcatraz Island in San Francisco Bay on Thanksgiving Day for this gathering. Previously, the day was called Unthanksgiving Day. My morning began on a packed ferry boat headed to Alcatraz. 5,000 would make the journey by the time the ferries were done running. The events began with Native families and their allies forming a large bonfire-lit circle and then the rituals of dancing, and singing, and speeching stretched into the morning. This year, a group of Palestinians were invited to join. The sense of solidarity with them among us all was palpable. The whole morning was a powerful reminder of so much. We as a nation have been called upon to recognize the truths about our past, present, and future relationships with our indigenous siblings. Since childhood, what it means to be at the Thanksgiving table has had layers added to it each year. This year, the layers was a trip across the waters and a circle of remembering. I hope each of you had a great Thanksgiving and that many more may follow.
Welcome, Morning by Anne Sexton. There is joy in all. In the hair I brush each morning, in the cannon towel newly washed that I rub my body with each morning, in the chapel of eggs I cook each morning, in the cry, the outcry from the kettle that heats my coffee each morning, in the spoon and the chair that cry, hello there, Anne, each morning, in the godhead of the table that I set my silver plate cup upon each morning. All this is God right here in my pea green house each morning, and I mean, though often forget, to give thanks to faint down by the kitchen table in a prayer of rejoicing as the holy birds peck at their marriage of seeds. So while I think of it, let me paint a thank you on my palm for this God, this laughter of the morning, lest it go unspoken. The joy that isn't shared, I've heard, dies young. Will you join me, please, in a time of prayer and reflection? There is joy in all. In the hair I brush, in the sun that rises to paint the sky orange, in the moon that pierces night and the constancy of so much even in a world spinning through time and space and racked with pain and wholly impermanent. And in the headlong tumble of it all, I know we mean, though often forget, to give thanks. to pause or fall to our knees, to find the time, the words, to name it. What grounds us and gives us hope. All who made us that shaping force called wondering that stirs the mind and calls us forward to imagined realities, some more beautiful than the ones we can find but can make. 
for the instinct to agency in a world that would disempower and the call to connection and the basic ability to love and anything that taught us how to love better than we did before this, before this, before this, for the vulnerability to ask for what we need, even and especially when it was another person. And for the resilience and faith to lean in again until we find the people who will lean back so we hold one another up through time for nature and its insistence to rise to life again, for surprise that reminds us there are things beyond the plans, for heartbreak, for what good is a heart that cannot break, for these bodies wildly miraculous, for everything in the world that is waiting for us. I invite we who are gathered, who are the gathered body to create a chorus of gratitude. Call out what you're thankful for into this prayer and space and all that you need to offer up that makes your heart heavy, too, to offer it up in words and in the silence of your heart, too. For ceasefire. for nephews. For Tenderloin Tussie. for all this. And the kettle that sings to us too, and the arrogant pot that sees the good in us. We give thanks, we pray for peace. May our hearts remain open and alive to it all. Amen.
And now our offering, which this week will go to the San Francisco Marin Food Bank, will be given and gratefully received. many layers are put down at the kitchen table, as Harjo rightly names, like the additional layers that were put down this week in so many places and in so many homes, like the ones Dennis added this week, both at a table of friends, years flashed forward in time, and the larger table of human beings gathered at the sunrise ritual gathering. You could say that life is a line, that it's linear, 
But anyone who knows life knows that it is never a straight line. Or you could say life is a circle because there is so much weaving back to the same places and people just like you did this week, just like we all do. But really life is more, I think, like a spiral, like one strand of that double helix DNA that is literally our backbone. Life is always coming back to itself. It's true to the same people often or the same places but always at a different moment in space and in time, right? Life like Herodotus's river that is never the same one any two times we step into it, even if it is at the same place on the map. And life is us. We are never the same each successive time we step into it. Life for us is like a favorite novel that we read and reread, a different us drawn to different places in it each time we read the same words. The ritual gatherings of the holidays can be like that. A kitchen table can be that. At sunrise gatherings, at harvest festivals, Thanksgiving meals, we gather the same and different, at the same and different places, drawn to the tables of our lives as it has been since creation and it will go on. Our dreams drink coffee with us as they put their arms around our children, writes the poet. They laugh with us at our poor falling down selves as we put ourselves back together once again at the table. My grandmother used to tell a story about an aunt who came to visit them when she lived in Holland. The aunt was famous for her apparently enormous nose. We should all be remembered in such ways. My grandmother warned her children, some of whom could be very mischievous, to be polite and not to stare at Tanta's nose. The aunt arrived, tea was made, treats were set out in the parlor. My grandmother brought a pot of hot tea to her guest, poured a cup, looked her aunt in her face and politely asked, Tanta, would you like some sugar in your nose? our falling down selves, taking our place at the table. As much as anywhere else, we show up. They go with us, don't we? Though we'd like to shake them sometimes. But at the table, everyone's falling down selves has a place. You might even argue that the table is sacred and holy because of that, not in spite of it. This table has been a house in the rain, an umbrella in the sun. Wars have begun and ended at this table, Harjo says. Which is to say that the kitchen table is sometimes a sanctuary, 
but not always an easy place to be. Wars over politics get started at this table. The battles fought over who is loved and why or why not. All the real and imagined hurts, old and new, that show up, don't they laid at the same tables, right next to our water glass, every year, every gathering. Many of us choose not to sit at the same tables we were raised at. Some wars are too hard to watch, and some battlefields are too devastating to revisit willingly. It's a place to hide in the shadow of terror, Harjo writes, a place to celebrate the terrible victory. A friend told me once of being invited home by a college friend to the friend's family's Thanksgiving. At some point in the meal, one of the other young adults at the table blurted out a family secret he'd been keeping for a decade. In a non sequitur of a nuclear bomb, he spilled some incredibly painful family hurt. The table went silent. It was an act of aggression and a demand for healing all at once. All at the kitchen table. Wars begun and ended there. A place of terrible victories. We have given birth on this table, Harjo says, and we have prepared our parents for burial here. This year at my family's table, everyone was asked, and not by me, to name a person they were especially grateful for this year. And the names spilled out. A roommate at college who makes life joyful and anchors us. The doctor we rely on to keep us healthy and who we know cares for us. Old friends and a particular colleague who reinforces the best in us. Soon enough, though, the sharing was layered with the names and the presence of those we missed, those we were grateful for, whose absence we felt in that moment of gratitude. A mother who was gone, a brother who died suddenly this last year, friends and significant others who were far, far away for the first time, it was striking at first to me how this talk of gratitude so quickly slid into grief, but it was also instructive. You know, that bit about being given instructions about what it means to be human at the table. It was instructive as a reminder that in this world of impermanence, Cherishing something, anything, enough to be grateful for it is both a gift and instantly also a vulnerability. Love is grief's advance party, as Forest Church used to say. At this table, we sing with joy, with sorrow, Harjo writes. We pray 
of suffering and remorse, we give thanks. We give thanks for this pea green house or whatever our own abode looks like, as poet Anne Sexton wrote in Welcome Morning, for all that prepares the table for us and sets it for us, for the ritual baking of bread and the cooking of food, whoever does it for us, the gift of our gatherings, wherever and whenever they happen, and the surprise of who and what we will meet at them, including who and what we will meet in ourselves each time we cycle back to them in the great spiral of our lives for meeting our falling down selves. Welcome with everyone else's falling down selves, dreams wrapped around one another's shoulders. And all the ways we instruct one another of what it means to be human. Tell of our terrible victories and our necessary defeats. Hold each other through the heroic, ordinary struggles of just getting by. For cherishing anything enough to give thanks though it makes us vulnerable, and choosing to cherish still. Perhaps the world will end at the kitchen table while we are laughing and crying, eating of the last sweet bite, as Harjo writes. And so, before that happens, let us remember, like Anne Sexton, remember to give thanks, to faint down by the kitchen table in a prayer of rejoicing as the holy birds at the kitchen window pack into their marriage of seeds to paint a thank you on our palms for this God, this laughter of the morning, lest it go unspoken. The joy I've heard that isn't shared dies young. So bless all we find and make at the tables of our lives. Bless the gatherings there and everywhere for this and so much more. We give thanks. I wrote in the description for this service that people were invited to bring breads or baked goods. And you remembered. <laughs> so much so that the table is too small, which is so beautiful. So let me start with a little story. My best friend, Liz, remembers when her grandmother, who lived with her growing up, passed away. And there was a loaf of her grandmother's beloved banana bread in the freezer. And so for the reception after the service, they took it out and put it on the dining room table for the guests, along with everything else that had been brought. And Liz remembers standing in the hallway and watching as people took pieces of this bread, like this lingering piece of her grandmother that still was present. I think to me that felt like the way a lot of recipes and breads and things that we put at the table feel like, even as it's us making them and not our grandmother's literal loaf that we are bringing them through into the present moment. 
So I wanted to hear about what you all brought. I will say what I brought is pumpkin bread. Because my mom, who's sitting here today, used to make pumpkin bread every fall around this time. And I would sit and watch as she scraped out the bowl to put it into the pan, hoping that actually she didn't scrape the bowl completely dry because what I looked forward to was the batter stuck to the side, which is great about being a grown-up, by the way. You can scrape a little less out of the bowl when you're making it. And so I made pumpkin bread today from a version of her recipe. A little less sugar. <laughs> and it reminds me, like nothing else, of fall. And some of you brought things, and I would love, if you feel okay doing so, to come forward and tell us what you brought. You can tell us, by the way, if there's a story behind it, and uh, yeah, anything else you want us to know about it before we share. So we have a mic. And I can bring a mic to you if you don't want to come forward. I know Julia Wald brought something. Do you want me to bring you the mic, Julia, or do you? And I know Jeff Jones, I'm going to call you all out. I know Richard Davis. Who else? Janet? Yeah, okay, good. So I... Yeah, it's on. It's on. I've been texting with my grandson about how wonderful his Thanksgiving had been in uh, Alaska. And uh, we got into what he had for dessert and whether he wanted to learn how to cook cheesecake and how neither of us really wanted to cook anything. And then I realized that it was time for the bread communion here, so I made a gluten-free banana bread as cupcakes. And then I texted I him some more and so. just had a good time with him and happy to share gluten-free banana bread. So if you, if you don't eat only gluten-free, you can't have the banana bread. That's the other. Um, when I thought about bread, I mean, I have so many stories that surround them. Like when I was quickly told at the uh, uh, night of um, Shabbat that you don't cut the challah, you tear it. Mm. You don't carry a knife mm. on Shabbat. Mm. Um, but what I did today was I used to go and I would lecture in mathematics and science um, at my wife Laura's class. And I always took with me when I walked up, because I started right after lunch, um, some bread. That sort of kept me going. That's what I used to stay alive, was to keep that bread going. Um, so um, eventually I found a bread I loved, and it's, it was Judy's breadsticks. And so I always carried this, this Judy's breadsticks, and I would be talking about math, and I'd pop a piece in, and I'd eat it. And, and that was a, a good memory. So what I did was I bought some of, one of Judy's breadsticks, and um, they're lying up here. But okay. I cut it. I didn't tear it. It's still holy. Well, unlike these other grand people, I usually don't have a theme. I just wake up in a cloud of whimsy. Uh, and this morning I get up and I grew up on a farm, immediately start doing chores. And I said, you know, I feel energetic. 
and I feel healthy, so I'll go running. Now, this never happens. So then suddenly I remembered we're supposed to bring something, and like a benediction, I said, I have no time for running. So <laughs> I went in the kitchen, and I just called on sort of the god of whimsy and magic to come, and about an hour, hour and a half later, something appeared that smells like cinnamon. Mm. So I mm. think it might be edible. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, when you eat it, you'll be infused, I think, with the spirit of magic and whimsy. Mm. Mm -hmm. Oh. Yeah. Did anyone else bring something that you want to name? No, that, she already talked about that. That was Julia. Oh. Yeah. Um, I know Amy Kelly bought some, brought some beautiful croissants. I don't know where Amy is. Oh. Hi, folks. In classic Christopher fashion, I did everything at the last minute. Yay. Um, so I baked a loaf of sour bread, but it's not even <gasps> cut. So if we want to tear it with our hands, oh. if people are... I can leave it here, but I okay. baked it this morning. So. And we'll put all of what does, oh wow, this is gorgeous. Um, and what, the reason that I like sourdough is that um, you just pass the sourdough on, and so my sourdough has children yes. in Oregon, and Washington, and Michigan, and New York, and of course here in California, and I got it from a bakery that I love, and so I just love that it kind of spreads that joy, and if anyone wants sourdough, let me know. I will bring mm. tons of starter, thank you. Mm. And it literally ties back from the past into the future with the yeast and the starter. Anybody else? All right. We have some gorgeous pecans that were left this week with, by Helen Reiser. So if you don't want bread, um, you can have that. There are some apple slices, beautiful organic apple. Might have a little taste of lemon. I tried to get a little lemon juice on them so they wouldn't turn too brown. I am gonna invite everyone to this ritual experimentation. So we are gonna choreograph it, which um, Richard Davis with his theater background would appreciate. I'm gonna ask those of you who are mobile to go and come this way. You can light a candle for something or things that you're grateful for. Pick something off the table and then I want you to circle around so that we will we'll sort of ring the sanctuary and then we'll have a ritual moment together. At some point, if you want to raise your hand and you, you aren't mobile or don't want to move, um, Dennis has a, a, a small assortment of what's up here, including the major food groups, so that you can choose something. So let me invite you to do that. And since it's a silent ritual, we, uh, we can sing, we can, anyway, so let's, I'll invite you all to come, light a candle, pick something off the bountiful table, and then just ring the sanctuary, and then we'll say some ritual words together.
the first people, you can come back for seconds, but save a little bite of what you have for the end of the ritual when we'll say some words together. And have Oh, we give thanks for this precious day, for all gathered here, and those, up, Julia, this way, way, and this time we share with love and care. Oh, we give thanks for this precious day. Oh, we give thanks for this precious day. For all gathered here, Linda, anger this way. For this time we share with love and care. Oh, we give thanks for this precious day. Here's my backup. Oh, we give thanks for this precious day. For all gathered here and those far away. For this time we share with love and care. Oh, we give thanks. You can tear it. Now this precious day. Oh, we give thanks for this precious day. For all We've still got a ways to go.
miles far away for this time we communion just means the sharing of what is common, what is held in common, often something emotional or spiritually important to us. And many religious rituals, as you no doubt know, involve food at the central part of their symbolic gathering. And that's because food is something we have in common. Food nurtures us body, it's a source of joy, and literally the food we eat becomes part of us. So in honor of all the foods that we have eaten this season, the foods we make that take us back forward through time, all the gatherings they remind us of, gathered around a table the way we are gathered around this sanctuary. I invite you to take and eat, if you have anything left in your hand, what is given to you in remembrance of who and what you love, layered through time, blessings past, present, and future. May those blessings be yours and ours. Amen. Let's gather with full mouths, make a huge mess. Or actually, let's just sing one verse. We're so beautifully aligned. Let's just sing. Pull it in. Let's pull ourselves in. We can do our um, uh, benediction. We've sung welcome table. We've sung we give thanks. What you're going to have to do is, hmm, how are we going to do this, oh, beloveds? We'll have to do an octopus reach. Okay, you ready? I'm going to reach to you. You reach to them. Oh, we're going to have to stretch. Nancy, we're not leaving you out of the circle of love. So good. Symbolically, just hold your hand up. There we go. We're connected. And now, in our comings and our goings, may the light of love shine upon us, out from within us. Be gracious unto us and grant us peace. Ooh, do we need peace. For this is the day we are given. Let us rejoice, give thanks, 
and be glad in it. Amen.